Yeah. I'll react if I had to. Put some things in the past to and don't let them distract you, but react if you have to. Yeah. I'll react if I had to. Put some things in the past to and don't let them distract you, but react if you have to. Yeah. React if you have to. Yeah. Don't know the time, but just wait it on. Yeah, one of a kind. Yeah, what's on your mind? Yeah, what hard to find? Yeah, beautiful mind. Yeah, still in my prime. Yeah, just know that I'm here. What's up, guys? Pondoff's Anonymous, episode eleven. That's right. You know why I remember that it's episode eleven? Eleven is my like lifelong family number. My old man was number 11. I was number 11 playing hockey. I have it fucking tattooed on my back. Um, it's in Roman numerals, kind of an Italian thing, and then hockey sticks. And it was uh, so the number 11 is, is a special, special number nice. to, uh, to CP. Um, little tidbits of information that nobody gives a fuck about. <laughs> well, it, it is special. We have a. Uh, we have an awesome guest today. Yes. Um, can we can we do the intro like at like like one would do at a uh, recovery group? Absolutely. Right. Um, so so go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Megan. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Megan. Hi, Hi Megan. That's how they do it. I've never it's been. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so welcoming. Um, and then you go around a room, and it's. Anyway, it's it's a it's a welcoming thing, man. You're not alone, Megan. Thanks for coming on. No problem. So I've known Megan, um, fuck as long as I can remember, which is a kind of a, a kind of a pun, right? Because a lot of times we've spent together, we don't remember. <laughs> you see what I'm saying, yeah, there, Jeff? Absolutely. So Megan's from the town I grew up in. Um, I think I first probably met you, maybe a previous relationship you were in. Um, buddies and you know house parties sure. and and bars and i think maybe the last time i saw you was i was sober um i might have just a couple more days than you do but it was at a golf course oh. for a golf tournament yeah. she just made a face Ooh. oh yeah we're videoing today <laughs> that's right if this Before, turns out we're gonna put this on, on i have a face for for radio that's what they say <laughs> that's right so we're working on yeah so we've been uh Getting kind of pushed to to throw this on YouTube. Sorry for the diversion, but yeah, this is fucked up. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, uh, my buddy no said promises. the camera adds a right. hundred pounds. Great. That's not good for me. Uh, you know him who said that. I, I should name drop, but so so Megan agreed to. She was kind enough to come on and uh, and share her story. Um, and I always say this; it's going to sound fucking redundant, but it is powerful. Like. <laughs> say that about everybody's story because that's what everybody's story is. It's fucking powerful. It's breaking down walls. It's breaking down stigmas. And I, I guess I'm still at awe at how much shit like this was not talked about five years ago, six years ago, 10 years ago. This isn't, this is a new phenomenon. I, I, that people are starting to be okay with talking about it. And, um, like anything, man, I mean, (laughs) That it just provides hope and then it shatters that fucking myth of loneliness, right? Yeah, definitely. So a couple weeks ago, I was asked to guest speak at a uh, recovery group 
Um, there's some anonymity stuff that we got to be right. careful with. But um, if it were like it, it, the recovery, recovery group would be, if it were called BB, it'd be well, two letters B before it. Was that cryptic? Sure. Yeah, that fucking sucks. <laughs> anyway, so I, I spoke there, and afterwards, I, I you know I saw Megan there the first time I've seen her in a couple months, um, and we got to talking afterwards, and um, just kind of hearing your story and where you were and where you've gotten to. Um, I, I, our audience has to hear it, and um, it just, you know, I get goosebumps every time I meet someone, but especially a friend that right. that has struggled with what her and I have struggled with um, and has, like, uh, onward and upward, man, since, they, since, since we've gotten out of that fucking death grip. So, so I want to, I want to, I want Megan to share a story with us. I want her to tell, um, tell us and tell you guys the before, the during, and then the after. Um, so, so with that, Megan, you're our first YouTube guest. Uh, you look beautiful. Your I hair. didn't even know. So did Brit, did Jeff's wife do your hair? No, but she uh, does really good hair. There we go. Good plug. Her boss, I think, does your hair. Yeah, oh, wow. Danielle. Even a better. Yeah, Fringe Salon. Gotta, That's right. Gotta go. Fringe I, Salon. Belva, is it Will? Swansea. Swansea. Yeah. I used to go I to a French Salon. Well, Fringe. A, Fringe. Fringe. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and actually, the, the salon I'm talking about it was Asian. <laughs> That's a saloon. <laughs> and it was in SoJ. Yep. Anyway. They just got a new sign. Did they? Mm-hmm. What's it? It's the same name. It's just new. New uh, sign. To check it out. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> just for research, not going in. <laughs> right. Of course. Those girls could probably use this fucking podcast. Yeah, right. well, Definitely. they probably could use a lot more than that. Oh, yeah, this church, the podcast. Yeah. God bless and let us pray. Um, <laughs> so without further ado, Megan, uh, tell us first. Uh, you've already told us you're an alcoholic. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, how long have you been sober? Uh, April 6, 2018 is my sobriety date. It's coming up. Um, coming up on two years, very fast. Um what you've done in two years is fucking remarkable. Mind-blowing. You know, they tell you when you first get sober to uh, write down everything that you imagine your life's going to be or, or things that you wish will happen in the next, you know, four months, six months, a year. I sold myself short by tenfold. I mean, it's just insane how quickly things start to unfold for you when you're, you know, not staying out for days at a it's time. And, amazing. Yeah. I, I, peop- I mean, it is like... A lot of times with, whether especially in even like psychotropic medication, right? You got to be patient. It's not going to mm-hmm. be instant results. You got to work at it. I mean, getting clean and sober, oh. the results are fucking instantaneous. Mm-hmm. Um, you start noticing shit, right? And it, that brain fog clears, and it's like, Whoa. it's unbelievable, right? <laughs> when I used to drive around, sober. I, I, you know, I was kind of a shitty driver and people would fucking rip on me. I'm like, dude, I've only been doing this. I've only been driving sober for about a year. Right. <laughs> a fucking break. hundred um, percent. So April 8th, that's, that's right around the corner. The 6th, uh, 468. April 6th, 2018. 2018. Okay. April 6th. We got it down. Um, we'll have to meet up for a club soda or something. Absolutely. So, so when, when did you start drinking? 
So I remember kind of when I try to think back to my first drink, um, I always went to these little, I went to Catholic schools my whole life. So we had pretty small groups. Problem number one. um, You know, with the good old Catholic parents, there's always booze in the basement. Um, So, you know, I remember being in probably grade school, junior high, seventh grade, you know, sneaking booze from, you know, parents' basements. Um, And it never really affected me like it affected everyone else. So I thought that they were just wusses. I didn't know. I mean, these (laughs) girls are throwing up on themselves, and I'm like, okay. Fucking pussies. Right. Um, You know, I don't get sick the next morning. Weird. wonder what that's about. Um, So, yeah, that's the first time I remember just kind of drinking and, you know, drinking through high school. And hanging with the guys was really my MO Mm -hmm. because I was up late. Yeah. Drinking with the guys. And I thought that was normal. Like, right. I'm just tough, I guess. I don't know. You know, yeah. so. Uh, do you have, does alcoholism run in your family? Yes, actually. Um, both sides. There you go. So, yeah. Both sides, like, immediate. So, yeah. A buddy of mine that went to Catholic school from our town, it, it was eighth grade, maybe freshman year. His parents, like, started padlocking the, the liquor cabinet. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But he figured out. I mean, it was, right. and his parents would like try to come. They'd come home, fucking shit face drunk, and try to like scold this kid for being shit face drunk. It was right. perfect. It was perfect. But um, so through high school, partied and oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I uh, was a cheerleader, so I always had to play catch up. So beer didn't work for me because that took <laughs> too long, right? Yep. So I realized after that football game to catch up, I had to do the hard stuff. You know, vodka. Had a four hour start on you, right? No pre-gaming. What? Right. So you uh, so you go to the hard stuff. Yeah. And, um, and chase it with a beer, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, as uh, outside of high school, you got in your 20s. Right. And um, started bar hopping in, oh, our, yeah. in our hometown. Sure. You know, you could go to bars at age 18 in Belleville, yeah. some right. places. Oh. So, you know, you start early at the bars. But, yeah, I always, I mean. They don't call it Bell Vegas for no right. reason. Yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> Absolutely. We make fun of it, but it's. So true. Mm-hmm. And you go to college and people are like, oh, you're from Belleville. You drink a lot, I bet. It's I'm like, telling you, that's a real fucking thing. <laughs> Seriously, you go to, way to college and people know, Bell Vegas, oh, you're a drinker. It's wow. like, man. At, at U of I, our friends would come to Belleville for their spring breaks. They wouldn't go to Cancun or <laughs> fucking yes. somewhere in Mexico by the beach. They'd want to come to Belleville sure. and get fucking wasted. Party. Yeah. Let's go. It's crazy. And they would always come down for Mardi Gras, stay in Belleville, and it would Nobody would sleep for three days. Wow. And they'd be doing a bunch of fucking blow mm-hmm. and drinking their ass off, man. Yeah. yeah, it's a real thing. I mean, it's. Cr- I'm glad you said that because I remember. I mean, I could talk, do a whole episode on, which maybe I will, uh, uh, my college days. But uh, I got to kind of navigate through some ex girlfriend stuff. Yeah, but uh, you'll have that. Yeah, um, we'll have a lot of that. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so so you're doing what I'm doing in right. Belleville, just, mm-hmm. you know, drinking it every day that ends in wine. Sure. Getting up and still going to work. Oh, yeah. And that was, you know, I think a thing even today, um, alcoholic, you joke, you know, when you're in college, oh, I'm an alcoholic, you know, okay, yeah. Right. Um, you know, we picture alcoholic like man under the bridge with a brown paper bag, like mm-hmm. doesn't have a home and doesn't have a job. And I was, you know, fully functioning um, mm-hmm. until I wasn't. Um, so, you know, I had a job and going to school and doing what seemed like okay until, you know, the nights turned into days, turned into nights, turned into days, because you just don't want to stop and deal with the coming down off of everything that has kept me drinking for days. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
And when you, nobody's got time for that. I mean, the best cure to a hangover is to start fucking drinking. Oh yeah, again. I'm it, towards the end there. I never hung was a hungover. Right, never. There was always some booze in your system. Always. It was. I, I've said this a couple times. It. I had to go back. There was one 24-hour period from like age 21 to 30 that I did not have one drop of alcohol probably running through for that 24 hours. Mm-hmm. But other than that, no way. Yeah. When you're sick, you drink to feel better. Um, and, the, you know, I, I know a lot of people in recovery, it's like you got to change your friends, you got to change your friends, and I get that. Um, and I understand that. I didn't have to so much change my friends. I had to change myself. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I knew getting sober for me, what it was going to look like. It was going to look like me still hanging out with my friends and going to some bars in Belleville yeah. because that's how I grew up fucking socializing. Mm-hmm. And I could not turn into a hermit. Uh, for some people, they have to right. for life and death reasons. And I'm all for that. I just knew that I had to change in here, not my setting um, to, for the most part, because, you know, I, that's how we grew up. Right. I mean, we grew, I grew up like I said this before, at fucking Elks Lodges, mm-hmm. Knights of Columbus's in Belleville. Every you could, very it was a cat, you know, Catholic town. Sure. You'd go to fish fries, mm-hmm. and your parents are are drinking, having a good time. And I got the you know the gene on both sides as well. Um, and then for me, it was I knew in college because my mood changed when I went like that two or three day period mm-hmm. without having a drink. My mood completely fucking altered. Right. So, what you know, without revealing your age, you you partied hard through your twenties, but sure. still were able to work. Uh, how many how many relationships do you think you may have lost due to your alcoholism? Oh my, countless! Um, Not just like romantic shit, right? But friendships. You're right. I mean, you're just unre- you're unreliable, and like you said, when you're not drinking, you're irritable, you're restless, and you're discontent with everything, no matter what. And it's Bingo. it's never my fault, right? Never, never my uh-huh. fault. You did this, or you did that, or I don't need them anyway. Um, and I think the tricky part is is when I was losing in these friendships and, and relationships within my family and, and you know personal relationships, you don't notice because it's all about me and the next drink. That's a and good point. You really don't notice the severity of it until you get on the other side of it, and you're like, ooh, I think that was my fault. Mm-hmm. You know, that looking back and cleaning up your side of the street is scary sometimes. So It's it's a self-accountability, which for for me, it started the, the day I checked into rehab, and I looked around, and I was like, how the fuck did it get to this? Mm-hmm. I had a screaming match with Jesus, and then after that, I was like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to be in control. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, people think that's – I don't know if they think it's, like, too much of a responsibility, but it's it, – what it yields is freedom. Right. When you take control of your life and you make your amends, as as BB che- teaches <laughs> – um, or, and I never worked the program, uh, that way I did kind of a, a hybrid outpatient, um, not, I guess it was maybe an IOP, it was kind of an IOP, an intensive outpatient program. And I did the, the church thing <clears throat> where I met this jack off. You're a blessing in my life. Thank Jeff. you. Thank you. Um, but I've been called worse than that. Yes. By me. Yeah. <laughs> it, um, when you when you 
do take accountability and take back your life and understand you come to peace that that's not who we were it was our addiction our alcoholism but it was our fault and we're sorry and we're a different person now and not everybody's gonna not everybody's gonna come back it's not a magic fucking wand right right but from here on this is gonna be this is on us now Mm -hmm. and and nobody can take our sobriety from us besides ourselves. right and my friends that I have around now um, that have stuck with me, you know, right before I got sober, and, and I can still go, like you said, I can still go to the bars with them. I'll still go to St. Patrick's Day Parade right, right. this year. But, you know, I still do that stuff with them, and, and they love me more now, and they tell me all the time. You know, not that I need a pat on the back because I don't do it for anyone but myself, but my friends, I have the best friends in the world, and they still are around me, and they're like, you're so much more fun now. And what's scary is I noticed that they don't drink like I drink. All of a sudden, it's like that's perfect, man. Uh, so, so you are drinking all that glass of wine. You're just going to leave half of it sitting there right. when we go to lunch. Like, what is wrong with you? How do you no, they that's that would never do. We would never no. leave a drop in our glass. Mm-hmm. In fact, we'd finish it and ask for a road. Right. Let me get 100%. one to go. Right. But they don't do that. It's just mind blowing. For the years that I drank at the tavern, I drank at. I never drank out of a like anything but a plastic cup right. because I was coming and going, baby. Like I, you know, if somebody called and I got to make a move, I need that. Need it to go. Take right. it for the ditch is what they call it. <laughs> oh man. Um, that's, yeah, that's a great point. And that's a, a hell of a, rel, uh, is it re, revelation, revelation, revelation. Mm-hmm. I'm a real fucking wordsmith, aren't I? <laughs> I can get all the swear words. Right. right? Yeah. And then fluently. But, Maybe in other languages even. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Three or four syllables, English, <laughs> nope, tongue-tied. So your 20s, your partying, when did you, when did you first realize that this, this is getting out of control? I think it, it's going to sound horrible. Like I got DUIs. That didn't, no, tell them. That's what I want. I mean, hear. DUIs, I, that wasn't like a thing to me. Like, okay, I got a DUI. Here's some money lawyer. Get me out of this. Mm. Here, you know, and that's horrible because I literally could have killed someone or killed myself, sure. right? Um, but multiple DUIs like wasn't my big aha eye opening experience. Even it was like, well, whatever. And then it was like, we're taking your license. It's like, oh, now I can drink more right. because I won't have to drive anywhere. This is awesome. Um, so that's really my drinking accelerated after I lost my license because it was. You know, I was taking the metro over to St. Louis to work, drinking on the way there, 7 a.m., you know, wow. yeah. um, things of that nature. But I think what I really noticed was when I tried to stop myself and I couldn't. Hmm. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was miserable. I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to feel the way I was feeling. And I was like, I'm just going to quit. Hmm. And I had the worst DTs I've ever had. I almost had a seizure. Uh, an ex-boyfriend, actually, that you know, um, had to take me to St. Elizabeth's. Like, I tried to stop and was, like, just done. And my body was like, no it's cute It's dangerous. Gr- no cute girl. You're going to die. Mm-hmm. Like, have a seat. Yeah, that's fucking dangerous. Mm-hmm. That We've talked about Jeff, you've learned that since we've done this. Like, yeah. you can, you'll get sicker than a fucking dog withdrawn if you try to self-withdraw on heroin. But mm-hmm. it won't kill you. Alcohol will fucking kill you. Right. And then I've heard that you can die from... Benzos too, uh, trying to cold turkey it, but you'll seize up, um, and that's crazy. So yeah. that, so that was 
would you call that then your rock bottom or no 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 that was just like a hmm so the duis weren't a rock bottom that's what everybody's is so different and that's why i mean i'm not it's your story so go ahead i was gonna say i think it's a god thing like for me oh yeah so to to open my fucking eyes mm -hmm. finally right and then i had just a slew of medical problems like after i detoxed from that medically um how long uh, I was in there, and patient St. Elizabeth was around. I don't know, maybe a week. I'm surprised they didn't kill you. St. Elizabeth, Elizabeth has a fucking body count, right? But like, glad you survived that. So, um, got out, and then it was well. I'll just drink beer, you know. <laughs> yep. I'll right. just switch up my drink of choice. Mm. I just won't do a bunch of blow to keep me up all night. I'll just drink beer and not do shots, and you know that only lasts for so long before you gain beer weight, and then you got to go back to vodka. Uh huh. And w- vodka and water, right? Mm hmm. When I would do, I see, like I had to be to do coke. I had to be well into the into whiskey because if I was drinking beer, I would be bloated and I'd do a fucking rail and usually I'd puke it right up. Mm. Just you know, and then I'd be high, but and drunk. <laughs> yes. But um, I, it's why I I liked you know whiskey. There's something about yeah going to beer. Ashley, my wife, tells me that because she thinks I have a gambling problem, which is. We don't talk about that on this podcast. <laughs> I'm fucking perfect, and I'll be like, "Well, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play football this year. I'm done making books. I, I'm done. <laughs> I don't know if I should say that. <laughs> I'm done breaking the law. Yeah, right. So I'm just gonna break the law by gambling. But I, um, I was saying that I'm like, I'm just gonna do fantasy stuff. So she's like, Oh, so you're just gonna have a beer? Okay, I get it. You're just gonna, you're gonna ooh, yeah. ouchie, oh. right? Ouchie, she's fucking. <laughs> brutal ball breaker she's man. Not sp- yeah yeah um so so I, I i know that mentality i checked when i checked into rehab i looked at the guy and i said i'll stay here for a couple of weeks and then i want to get to where i'm just drinking coronas around the pool right um that was before the coronavirus shit <laughs> I, I, I won't touch a corona now um that, that was a joke i That's, don't know if anybody got it well you're officially a dad now that was a dad joke that was oh, a, that dad was joke. a dad joke fuck <laughs> Ah, that's getting bad, boys. Um, point is, I did say that, and they all like looked at me. My mom was with me, and she was like, mm, like kind of making a face at mm-hmm. the at the guy that was checking me in. And they knew, like they've heard, they hear that I think mm-hmm. all the time. It's the delusion, like you're right. just totally delusional, okay, delusional thinking. Because I'm not in the door yet, right? I'm like at the waiting room filling out paperwork. So they're like, we just need to get this fat fuck behind the door, and then we'll we'll address that. But yeah, you go in there thinking I'm going to change. The, brand, the the strength of the alcohol, mm-hmm. but your body craves the amount you were drinking. Sure. It's, you know, a six-pack of Natty Light's not going to cover a, a bottle of fucking Tito's or Smirnoff, whatever you were drinking mm-hmm. out of your purse when right. the last time I saw you. Yeah. Um, Good old water bottle. So so you got out of, out of detox, mm-hmm. and then you, did, you went back to just drinking beer. For... Until I got fat, and then I went back <laughs> to drinking vodka, and then... Um... So I got married, married my... I was, yeah, I wanted to get there. My uh, best drinking buddy is who I married. Um, Megan, I need to stop you. Like, he was a lot of people's... He's a lot of people's best drinking buddy. He still is buddy. a lot of people's <laughs> best drinking buddy. Um, you know, he was the... Or he is, you know... If I would have married my best drinking buddy, me and Screech would be his. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... That would be toxic, man. That would be... It's own podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It would be. We should do that sometime um, to have a little NASCAR podcast. Yeah. Uh, so before you get too far into that relationship, when did you guys get married? 
a couple oh, of years ago. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Three there. years ago? It'll be three years this year? Three years. He has a he has a get out of jail free card now if he misses an anniversary or something. Right. right. He's um, like that one time. Right. So so the point I'm trying to make is yeah, you married him before you got sober. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a, actually an incredible story in itself. Oh, yeah. Um, and we'll we'll get there. So you you got married three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, your best drinking buddy. Oh yeah. Life of the party. <laughs> he absolutely. Um, what we'll maybe get him on one day? Oh boy. I don't know if that's <laughs> he a listens. Idea. Great, because he I'm talking about you. I get you can say his name. I'm not. Yeah, gonna, Grump right. Philip. Yeah, that's Grump. We call him Grump. Everyone calls him. Can Grump. I tell you a story about Grump? Yeah, I would love to <laughs> hear a story about <laughs> Grump. going to get me in trouble. <laughs> I guess at some point. Uh, me and Screech were living together over on like the East End, over by uh, by Mojacks. That was like our home. Oh yeah, our last stop. So in that area, and I woke up one morning and and was leaving, and there was a car parked in my fucking driveway, and it the driver's side window was a black trash bag, and this car was beat to shit, man. And I'm like, who the fuck is driving that? Because nobody was there when I went to bed. Right. I mean, I went to bed at 2, and nobody That's was at my house. Him, right. right. <laughs> Apparently, he showed up drinking with my roommate or something, driving this fucking car around town with a trash bag hanging out as a driver's side window. It was perfect. I think I have pictures. That's awesome. We'll maybe share those on the Facebook page. Yes. At Pondoff's Anonymous. Yeah. Sorry, Grump. Um, so you guys you guys got hitched. Right. Congratulations. Thanks. Great guy. Yeah. Um, good family. Very good family. Yes, I Praying got lucky. That family. I got very lucky. Yeah. Um. Well, so did he. Uh, yeah. You're a fun chick. Um. Can I call you that? Yeah. Is that that's a little not? That's not very woke. I think it's up to the individual. Okay, yeah. fair. So she said yes. Yeah. Yeah, I can call her abroad. That's fine too. My mom would get mad. There's some people who don't care. Yeah. yeah, I've been called my mother. Hours. She cares. Yeah. Megan. Yes. Um. You guys got. Married three years ago, mm-hmm. and then, you know, just, I'm no math major, but you lived a year together, married, mm-hmm. before you got sober. Right. And within that year, I, um, it was it was probably real close to our wedding day, I noticed, like, I could not feel the lower part of my body, which sounds just crazy, wow. but I couldn't, couldn't feel my feet. I was falling everywhere all the time. Um, At the I, wedding? Oh, it was bad. Yeah. This is like planning my wedding, like doing things. Well, my mother-in-law and my mom did my plan my wedding, let's be honest, because I could have cared less. But, um, <laughs> you know, just always had my vodka bottle. It was, you know, nonstop. And I just could not feel my feet. Like, could not wear flip-flops because I couldn't feel them. I'd walk right out of them. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. So on my honeymoon, I was like, I can't walk. So I literally laid under a cabana and just, I remember maybe a combined six hours of my entire honeymoon where'd you guys go can i ask mexico and you just you were so you just laid in a cabana and got fucking hammered every day all day sounds like i mean back in the day it right. sounds like a he was day. out meeting people oh, yeah. on the resort partying i met these people you know he had a great time so. this is an all-inclusive place <laughs> yeah yeah i could i would be drinking mixed drinks because you would oh, have yeah. to drink a lot well, to get drunk well, on this those was drinks. like a pretty high end <laughs> okay. um my owner of a company I work for okay. actually gave it to me for our honeymoon or for nice. our wedding present. So That's it was awesome. pretty legit. I was going to yeah. say the pina coladas I was drinking, they weren't. I think they were a virgin. Right. So, yeah. yeah. No, this is a pretty so, high end place. So. That's, so 
so you obviously used that gift to the max. Oh, yeah. Both of you. Mm-hmm. He probably remembers about six hours of that whole <laughs> week as well. Um, so, like, when did... So you get home from your honeymoon. And I'm like, I can't get out of bed. So it got... It, it was... I mean, this just sounds like a medical fucking issue. Oh, absolutely. So I go to the hospital. They rush me over to all these different... Trying to figure out what's wrong with me. And it turns out I had alcoholic neuropathy. Holy shit. Didn't even know it was a thing. Me neither. And, like, I'm not diabetic. Um, young at this Wasn't point. Wasn't pancreas shit? No. Because that's a big one. Pancreatitis mm-hmm. for... For people that sometimes they don't quit on their own, the pancreatitis makes them quit. But yeah. then some people keep drinking with it, and it ends up killing them. It's, right. it's fucking brutal. But so I had to learn to walk again, like physical. Are you therapy. fucking serious? Oh, yeah, I had like a shower chair, couldn't shower, couldn't go to the bathroom by myself, and like they talk about incomprehensible demoralization. Like I was literally shitting myself in the hospital, pissing myself because I couldn't get up unless someone got me up. Oh my god! So it was like, ugh. Holy fuck. I still drank after that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is what I mean. Yeah. My parents, my poor parents, man. I bet you're, yeah. So we just get married. I'm in the hospital. Can't walk. Where's your, where's your newlywed wife? So you get diagnosed with alcoholic neuropathy. neuropathy. Mm-hmm. You get finally discharged and you're walking? Uh, with a wall. First I was discharged in a wheelchair, then a walker. And you're still drinking? Uh, at this point I was not yet. Okay. But very soon after. All right, man. It's a disease. Fucking, I'm just mm. gonna. I was just gonna say the fucking disease and the grip it has mm-hmm. on people. Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't even know where to go from there. But you keep drinking. Yeah, I'm hiding it. I'm a big big bathroom drinker. Like my bathroom's like my little spot. No one goes in. I got like handles under the, you know, the sink. I'm like gonna on the- quit on my I'm still. My delusion, my alcoholism, my disease is telling me it's not that bad. It's okay. Fucking paralyzed almost, and it's not that bad. <laughs> and you know, I'm all about freedom, and I, I'm I take care of myself. Stubborn. I have a job. I have this, but I don't because the drink was telling me what to do. Alcohol is telling me when to get up, when mm-hmm. to go to sleep, when to eat if I'm going to eat. Right. It's yeah. controlling everything. That's crazy to think wow, about. Yeah. It was controlling your whole fucking life. Everything. So, so what happened? So I'm working. I always have my, my bottle with me, my water bottle. So I'm drinking literally all day, every day. Um, I started getting real swollen and yellow. Oh. Eyes yellow, skin yellow. I look like Fiona off fucking Shrek. Like literally <laughs> Fiona off Shrek. Um, it's awful, but I... I did laugh, but it's awful. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Like, my eyes were yellow. And see, I, I didn't see you at all during this. Right. I, mean, it, I was pretty sick. Yeah. And I I'm mean, going to work, going home, going to work, going home. Drinking. Work, drinking. Everybody's begging me, you got to go to the hospital. Nah. Not me. I'm Superman, right? Nah, I'm Superwoman. I'm yeah. I'm good. So, finally went to the hospital, and they said, you need a liver, kid. You're probably not going to get one. So... My poor husband sitting there and just loses it. He's like, she's going to die, you know, the whole nine. They're like, you are too far gone. I had alcohol, uh, hepatitis. Oh, shit. Liver sh- shot, kidneys shot, esophagus shot. Like, I literally had burned my insides up. Wow. Yeah. 
So, and I still was, and, and the sick part of this disease, man, it's just so sick. Like, I took myself to the hospital that day, but I made sure in my purse I had two water bottles of vodka because I didn't know when they would get me to a detox unit, and I didn't want to be sick. Mm. So the whole time I'm in the hospital, I'm still you sipping. You tried that before. Yeah, I'm still sipping these water bottles in my purse in the hospital, in the emergency room. Like, still not enough. So they take me over to St. Louis to SLU, good doctor, and... I felt that detox. I didn't. I didn't want anything. They monitored my heart and everything. But my dad was the one that really. Uh, I'm fucking shaking, man. He was sitting, and you know, they. I'd heard it all. We hear it all. Like I'm done with you. We're not doing this again. We're not. Mm-hmm. And my dad was sitting in a chair across the hospital bed for me, and I woke up out of you know, one of my many tests they were doing, shoving stuff down my throat, trying to figure out what they could do. And he said, "Hey, I'm not doing this again." I won't be here. I can't. You're killing me. You're killing your mother. I cannot do this with you again. And I knew he was serious. And um, I've been really lucky. My parents have, you know, stuck by me. My dad, oh, you know, the stuff I put them through, fighting in the front yard and calling late from bars, calling from jail, you know, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And he had had enough. And he's like, I'm not going to bury a kid. Like, no. It's not how it's supposed to go. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's fucking crazy, man. Yeah. Um, how long were you in the hospital? <clears throat> that time, I actually had a pretty quick turnaround. Um, they didn't, because I, I refused the stuff they'd given me the time before, which is heavy stuff like heavy heavy sedatives and things of that nature so i had like they were giving me like a mild stuff some people use for anxiety um um, and that was keeping my heart rate and everything at bay so i felt that detox man um and then i got out and i because i had got my mobility back i'm like if i lay in this hospital bed man i'm gonna lose it again um so i was probably only in there for a couple weeks but i only in there for a couple weeks right and they're I mean, to shots in the stomach. And I mean, this is oh the craziest God, stuff that I've ever, you know, seen. But I had a really strict diet. I had to try to save my liver. Man, I had to try to. Are your eyes opening now? Like, if we're talking at lifetime here? Yeah. So you. I'm starting to think like, hmm, I don't think I want to die. Um, and, uh. I had it for, you know, like a month. I'm thinking, like, I got this, I got this, I got this. This was after the, the diagnosis of your yeah, liver's fault. I'm doing good, and everybody's so proud of me. And I'm like, nah, I don't think I got this mm-hmm. on my own. Because every time before, this disease has told me, like, you can do this. I've tried everything to quit drinking, everything, and I could not do it. And it didn't matter how long I went without drinking. You know, it's like, as soon as I had one sip, my brain was like, I know what we're doing now. Let's go. Let's go. You know, it reopened that scab in my brain, the scar in my brain, whatever, that feel-good sensor that was like, okay. Got back in the driver's seat. Right. So I was like, I got to get somewhere, get some help with this. Congratulations. Yeah. Fucking ain't right, man. So what did you do? I tried a recovery program. I just went um, and... Took suggestions for the first time in my life. Um, you know, I'd heard people getting sober, quitting drugs, quitting drinking. I know that, you know, they talk about their solutions out there. You see the, if you're addicted, call. I knew there was solutions. I right. just didn't think it was for me. Nope. That's mm-hmm. not for me. 
Come on, man. I'm the popular kid. I'm the kid that people like to party with. I'm a manager at work. That's not for me. Do you ever think like, what if I stop drinking? What what are these people going to do? Like, right. they're not gonna, they're not going to be able to have fun without me. <laughs> what now? I used to think that I have sure. a full calendar. I can't just right stop drinking today. Maybe next. You got month. a happy hour and every day that you need to go meet somebody. Absolutely. Because your friends start calling you because they know that you'll meet them for a drink. Absolutely. Mm. And you Story end up becoming a fucking counselor until they end up as yours. Right. And it and it's it switches at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was that guy. Yeah, you're always there, right? <laughs> I'm having a bad day at work. Right. Who can I call to have a drink? Oh, Megan. Oh, right. Pound off. I know. Uh-huh. We'll call them. He's at Fridays. We know where he's at. Right. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. So so th- so that's when do you know the, the the day that you you handed your life over, if you'll say it, to the to the program? Well, I, I went there and you know I started taking suggestions and and they talk about higher power and they talk about God and uh, I was like. Okay, I went to Catholic school my whole life. Like, I got the God thing down. Um, and there, yeah, ruler marks to prove it. <laughs> yeah, I got the God thing down. I got it. Yeah. Um, right. And I think it, it Jesus was... Jesus is like, shit. Right. <laughs> Who are you? Right. That foxhole prayer. I didn't hear that. <laughs> Please, just don't let me get pulled over. I swear. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really was in, in that time, probably in the first month or two, um, they suggest certain things, and um, I can honestly say, like, I had a spiritual awakening, 100%. Nothing like what I was taught in school. Sorry, Mom and Dad, I know you spent a lot of money <laughs> on that. Sure they did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, nothing like anything I can ever explain. Um, I get it. It's just, Jeff gets it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy, you know, and it's like, you know, like I've heard you say, like, I'm not like a Jesus freak Bible thumper, but... Like, my will is not mine anymore, and I'm so thankful for that. Right. Like, thank you. Man, we fucking need help. Yeah. Right? Like, here's my... Wait, I can give my will over yeah. to... Right. Uh, Why don't people jump on fucking board with that? Sign me up. Right. <laughs> sign me up. That's, I mean, it, it. it's... When I fucking handed shit over to God, I, I mean, I was uh, metaphorically 100, two, 250 fucking pounds lighter. Mm. Oh. And, and just... I felt uh, the most biggest sense of peace. Mm-hmm. Um, congratulations on that. That's what a fucking testimony to really Megan to you, but and also to God. I mean to yeah. to go through all of that shit, right? And then he stayed with you, and it's like and sure. finally. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I sent you a couple fucking DUIs to maybe right. wake you. I sent a boat, right? Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. You know, right? So, so since you started uh, the program, since you're you're you got sober April sixth, mm-hmm. um, was that the last day you drank? Yep. What, okay. Mm-hmm. So was that in the hospital? Well, yeah. So okay. that was you know the hospital yeah. started. Yeah, my yeah hospital, absolutely. So yeah. And you and the, the the powerful part of this story is even after that, the fucking disease was still. Making your mouth water. Oh yeah, for sure. And and that spiritual awakening, which you probably had in the program, but mm-hmm. maybe we don't know it. But for you to recognize that you could not do this by yourself, right? That was him. that, that might have been it. Mm, yeah. That I think that's the day. That's the the moment. The aha moment. Right. right? So what's so fucking amazing about this story? Can we? I mean, and. Can we ask about an update on your on your health? 
Oh, yeah. So I my liver function went back. Like my bilirubin, I don't know, this is like a weird thing. Like when babies are born jaundice, it's because their bilirubin's high. The, yeah, the yellow Mine babies. was like at like 30, and it's supposed to be like at a point oh two or wow. something oh, crazy. Shit. Yeah, like I was that close to not being here. But so I got that down, and I got released from all my specialists and stuff. Wow, and congratulations. Yeah, yeah. I still have neuropathy. Like I'll always have it because uh-huh. um, your nerves only repair certain millimeter or whatever but i can walk today and so the, those symptoms are are like mobile like mm-hmm. yeah sometimes but it's a reminder feeling. yeah absolutely. you know so it's a good one to so that congrats i mean that's a that sounds like a fucking medical miracle man, right it that, was well he kept me alive for reasons what mm-hmm. i kept saying so and, and i feel the same way that um and i've shared that with people that that i've been helping on um in the past six years and uh since i've stopped almost six and um that's a that's a real thing, man. Um, because Megan hasn't squandered this fucking second chance. I always say with God, you get unlimited second chances, mm-hmm. at least until you're with Him, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to squander this one, right. and I, I I I have a you know I can't I, I hate saying the word calling because I think it turns people off, but. You know, fuck off. It is a calling. <laughs> it's what right. that we've said this before. It, it, it's something inside of us that, like, it's it's grace maybe that you just want to give because you know the fucking power of the feeling sure. and you want to help people. And now Megan um, is helping all kinds of people, and and I want to definitely talk about that. Well, first off, thanks for sharing that story. It was incredibly vulnerable and fucking personal. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to trash your husband a little bit, which yeah. I always look forward to. Sure, me too. And uh, that uh, makes this whole show worth it. Um, so give him a, a, a an attaboy for me. And then uh, through the medical stuff that I, I wasn't even aware of, yeah. and um, I think that's a, a big fucking eye opener for people that are listening on how bad this can get. And you think you got it, but you don't got it. No, and. Trust us so you don't have to be in a hospital bed listening to your mom or dad telling you they're fucking done and being for real about it. Um, that's a scary reality, man. Um, so so with that, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now because that's what's saving fucking lives. Right. So my big thing um, that I really try to focus on is like attraction instead of promotion because when people came to me and were like, um, hey, this is an ABCD, oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was like, go fuck yourself. I'm throwing it away. Uh-huh. Like my uncles and sent me stuff. Like I've totally, anytime someone tried to tell me something, it was like, no. Nobody wants to be told what to do. No. So I just was around and was seen, and I didn't preach at people, but people would be like, man, you seem so much better. Man, you seem, you know. And even on days when I wanted to, like, kick the cat, I just made sure that, like, my presence was positive, and, you know, life shows up. Life's going to happen. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, there's going to be times when I'm like, man, my brain tells me, like, I know it'll make us feel better. Let's have a drink. Um, but I just try to stay, you know, the face and stay the course. And, and, you know, like the God thing, like I can't go up to a female or a female can't come up to me and say, how do you do it? And me say, let me tell you about God. But, you know, what I yep. can do is say, let me tell you about the time that I was up for three days and woke up in some strange man's bed and I didn't know where my clothes were and I didn't know where my... And mm. then all of a sudden, 
They're fucking engaged. They're now. like, okay, mm-hmm. now what? Oh, you've done that too? Okay. Right. And, and that's what I do. I just kind of share my story and um, listen to theirs. And I'm there if they need me. And I just try to let people know that there's there's a solution out there. And, you know, grace, unwarranted favor is available. And you tap in and just have a little bit of willingness. And, and that's what I do. And it's the young people. It's the young people because it's getting, getting younger and younger. younger, and I mean, younger. You're just going to say that, yeah. And um, it's so I just show people like we can have fun in sobriety. We have conferences. We have dances. There's there's things you can do in sobriety that are just as fun um, as they were when I was out there. And I remember I them now. I absolutely agree with that. You know, I, I and I want to do a whole episode on this on on my like Stanley Cup experience. Yeah. Um, I was the only sober one. At, in any of these festivities, and it was, I, I, I've been waiting for this my whole life, right. and like I remember every fucking feeling, every bit of anxiety I had yeah. when the game was on the line. I mean, and I rem- and it was, I had more fun doing that than I sure. would have ever had, all fucked up, barely mm-hmm. remembering shit. Right. Um, you're helping a lot of young people. Um, I know there's there's some, like I said, some guidelines on what we can say and what we can't say. And for me, I think that's, you know, it's just to me it's a little counterproductive, but I want to respect I'm not going to change bylaws that have been fucking written for 100 years or however long. Like, I, I want to shatter the myth that people aren't alone. So if you have any questions um, on programs, and, and or especially if you know someone um, – or if it's you and you got the courage and, you know, you can completely stay anonymous with, sure. with me by reaching out. We've talked about that before, but I'm sure um, you can reach out to Megan as well. Absolutely. Um, and we will we'll post uh, an email address or our yeah. way to get a hold of you on Facebook on our uh, on the show notes. Mm-hmm. And when we when we release this episode on on Monday. Um, but I want to you you're going around to. There is a local treatment center that you do some work at. Sure, um, all volunteer, right? Right. So, it's, well, I saint. I uh, don't consider it volunteer. I really consider it like service because it helps me just as much um, as if it helps them, or hopefully, it helps them. And I just, you know, share my experience, strength, and hope. Like all I can do is tell you what I went through and what I did and what has worked for me. And um, you know, I have people that that go in with me, and and when people are stuck in these inpatient rehab. And they're listening to the counselors over and over. It's nice to hear a like-minded person. Like, I'm no different than you. Right. I'm no different than yep. you. Um, so I just go in and, and share my experience, strength, and hope, and let them know that there's, you know, grace. And find me when you get out of here. And that's what we tell them, you know. That's... So they see someone like-minded. Like, a counselor can tell you, I learned this in school. But I can tell you, like, no, I went through that shit. Right. Uh-huh. So uh, let me share with you what a, a physician friend said to me. And this applies to you. Um, he, he told me he's a, uh, I mean, he's a, he's a fucking doctor, right? And, and mental health. And he said, I was sharing, telling him kind of what we're doing on the podcast. And he's like, let me tell you something. People like you will be listened to a hundred times more than a fucking doctor because you've been there, you were in the weeds, you'll, you can empathize and people need people like you megan um and and us to shatter this shit because we aren't like other people we have but we pray for the serenity right to accept that 
that other people can go out and have some drinks or leave a fucking half glass of wine and walk away from <laughs> it, which is still fucking crazy. I do that all the time. I'm like, what are you doing? I, I, I hate porn. Like, Ashley will have dinner, and I'm like, I'm not... You got to finish this? Right. It's fucking crazy. If I'm open in this bottle, it better be gone. Right. Every drop. You got to remember the spider? Oh, spider. You know what the spider is? No. Crawling around looking for spiders in bottles. Oh, my gosh. Even at the tavern, they'll, and they finish a, a, a fifth make a last drink they'll lay the bar the bottle down and they'll who wants the spider because there's always about a quarter of a shot left in that mm-hmm. bitch gotcha and you know who the drunks are like, i'll take it <laughs> it's vodka you're drinking whiskey and diet don't That's matter all right. throw matter. it in mix there. it in there right, right. so it it's it, and we have to accept that that's not us we can't do that anymore and or we probably shouldn't have been doing it in the first place but that's just just not us and um two things you mentioned um that are real important. I want to drive home here is you mentioned that life happens. Um, and the serenity, what that means is that serenity is not the, uh, freedom. Like it's not the freedom of storms, right? Yeah. It's the peace within. Right. And that is, uh, something that I think, people like Megan and I live and die by. Oh, absolutely. So when life happens, we cling to that. I got it on my keychain. Um and I always tell people when when we get through the storm or you know, at home uh I also say hills and valleys, right? Um the sun rises again mm-hmm. and nothing is as bad as it was on when we were using and drinking. Nothing. And um, that's super important. And I know you and your uh, your groups, I mean, I think probably every time you all get together, it's a serenity prayer. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's powerful, um, and it's community. And um, what Pondoff's Anonymous is kind of a hybrid of that. Like, I want to kind of want to take, and it's, I, I so believe in the program. I believe in all the programs. Um, anybody that's trying to help people. God fucking bless. Absolutely. Um, I want to be a little louder in our voice to people to, because I'm not bound by, you know, and I understand people can reach out and we're all anonymous, right? Mm-hmm. Like that shit's, you know, between us and me and whoever, but, but I want to yell from a fucking mountaintop that we're here, we're, we're, we feel you. Mm-hmm. We can offer help, and that's what this podcast is. And it's what this brings me to my second point, where I know it sounds a little bit against what Megan was saying, but I want to explain how it's not. And Megan said, and I love this. I um, after I heard her say it the first time, I told her to text it to me, and I got a screenshot of it. It's attraction rather than promotion. So that we're not out being our chest promoting we're we are trying to attract and mm-hmm. i just you don't realize how fucking common this shit is mm-hmm. and how many people are affected by it and it's not just the person it's megan's parents it's megan's husband right. it's megan's family it's megan's best friends it it f- is a disease of not just the addict it's a disease of the entire family and that family doesn't just mean blood and uh, right. immediate family it means everybody that loves the addict is affected their days are hijacked their stress level, their anxiety level is all directly impacted 100%. by the disease. Mm-hmm. 
So, and it's fucking common. So there's no, I mean, you, any family that you walk into is affected by it somehow. I would put my fucking money on it. Oh, absolutely. So what she means by attraction more than a promotion, it's, it's, you know, in layman's terms, uh, can you sell it? Mm. It's a sell tactic. Can you sell sobriety? We all know the numbers. We know the, the, where the treatment centers are. We know who to call. Um, but those are in our face. Right. It takes what Megan said to get down to someone's level, you know, metaphorically or literally hold their fucking hand and share your story to open up that door. And that's what, that's what she means by that. And, and, you know, we're not like the Jehovah's witnesses banging on the fucking right. doors, <laughs> you know, or people like trying to shove shit down people's throats. That's the, that's all that's going to do is drive people to fucking dig their heels in. Right. So, so for those of you that are in Megan and I's shoes, that's a, that's a good way to start when it comes to, to getting people to kind of open their eyes and, um, hopefully not let it get as bad as, uh, it got for you. Cause right. that's, uh, I mean, that's as life and death as it gets. Absolutely. And I don't know if life, you know, is worth living if your family turns you, it has to. But they have to. Otherwise, they're enabling the fucking behavior. Right. Um, Megan, thanks a lot. No problem. Thanks for having me. This is, uh, I don't know, man. This was, when you're telling that story, I started getting fuck, fucked up a little bit on that. That's, it's crazy shit. And it's um, going to resonate with everybody. A lot of the people that listen. Um, I, I've gone to the... I went to the uh, program the first time, um, and I just want to share this as we kind of close, uh, because there's something fucking, I mean, we know what it is that's so spiritual about it, and uh, we don't hide from that shit here on this mm-hmm. podcast. Um, I The first time I went, it was from, I met a elderly woman in a core group, what we call at our church, it's like a you get together once a week. It was my accountability, these people that prayed for me. So I was like, I got this, but I I had a fucking pamphlet of where every um, potential meeting was Mm -hmm. in my briefcase, in my car, because I knew if it got that, I was going to run there. Um, But things were going good. And I met uh, this, this elder, uh, she's going to be pissed. I said elderly, but (laughs) she's she's older than me. Um, She's she has grandchildren, uh, a beautiful family. But I met her and her husband, and we spent a year together in this group and became lifelong friends. They were also in recovery, and um, I mean, she came back a surrogate grandmother. I was out of grandparents by this time, and she's the one that actually introduced me to my wife, um, which is a fucking god thing. Just so crazy. It was a part of our wedding. Um, so, so after that first year, her husband got real sick real quick and, uh, ended up passing away to cancer. And about two months before, or excuse me, after he passed away, was coming up to his 30 year chip. Mm. So she called me and she was like, I know you haven't been. Cause I was kind of, kind of scared to go. Uh, I was doing okay with this church group. I knew these people, they were already, they were praying for me. I was a little scared to go in by myself and I'd never been invited so this, she invited me to go and in, 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 in his place with her to receive his 30-year chip. And 
I went and it was like the most fucking beautiful thing I've ever done in my life. And the people in there, I don't know if it's like a metaphorical Xanax because you just, they, I know I, I got a home, mm-hmm. people that will care for you, that will help you, that will empathize with you, that will be on your level. Love you until you can love yourself. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. And I, I, to the day I die, I will never, ever forget that moment. And, um, and God bless her. Um, and she's the one responsible for me being fucking hooked to this, you know, social working liberal. (laughs) So it's crazy, man. Uh, Megan, thanks again. Thank you. Come back. Absolutely. All right. And then, uh, we'll keep on keeping on everyone. We'll see you next time. Let us pray. If you're struggling or know someone that is, please, please have them check out our podcast and reach out to Chris or me. We want to listen and we're super eager to help. Pondoff's Anonymous is Chris Pondoff and produced by me, Jeff Allen. Our music is Antihero by McCall and Gentle Waters by Wild Wonder. For more information, visit pondoffsanonymous.com. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram.